This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm here in the corner of my office in our <laughs> in our podcasting space on the third floor of the Family Church office building. I'm here with our engineer, Carly Stillman, my co-host, Leslie Bennett, Pastor Aaron Philippone from Family Church Gardens, and Angel Turbyville, who's our campus director at Family Church Village. And this is a really special group, a unique group, and we're going to talk today about loving our neighbors. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, and we're going to be focusing on groups in the Corona Apocalypse. Now, a lot of what we're going to say could actually have application when it's not the Corona Apocalypse, but we specifically want to talk about how we're working hard to maintain our small group structure and strategy and connection during this time when we're having to socially distance and we can't physically gather. It is a real challenge for churches of all sizes. And no matter how many resources you have or how many staff members you have, believe me, that tick grows with the dog. Big churches have the same problem as small churches on this. And so you just got to figure out a way forward. And these are the people that are doing it. Leslie, I think one of the things I'm the proudest of is I feel like during this time, our, our church has held together really well. Right. I think so. And especially in this area, I would say we're talking about don't waste a crisis. And I think in so many areas, our team has not wasted this crisis. And this is a major area that Angel has spearheaded to really motivate all of our campuses to get more organized when it comes to our groups, to get them cataloged, to get them out on our website. So I know, Aaron, you've also been a part of that. But Angel, why don't you tell us what you've done so far as we've organized our groups and catalyzed them and got them moving forward. Yeah, so we've had the privilege of taking over a hundred groups and moving them into virtual groups. And so it's been really neat to just see all of these leaders kind of step up to the plate. We've had to train a lot of leaders and teach them different platforms. And we've also had to help them realize the importance of just picking up the phone and reaching out to the people in their groups and just kind of holding those existing groups that were meeting before all of this started, they were meeting in our buildings and just ha- having to help them understand how to shepherd people to stay in community and what technology and what platforms were available for them to do that. Now, Aaron, one of the things that you're responsible for is you help to lead our team of campus pastors and directors. Those are the people who are who are the in charge at our various family churches in our network. And so one of the tasks we've reorganized during the Corona apocalypse around our core values You're in charge of our Love Our Neighbor team, which are in charge of direct contact and cultivation of relationships and shepherding people. And one of the ways that churches do this, and our church is no exception, is through groups. As you've kind of led that, though, and Angel said we've we've migrated over 100 groups from in-person groups in our buildings and in homes to virtual groups. How many people total do you think we have meeting in groups right now? We probably have around fifteen hundred or so adults adults that are that are meeting in these weekly virtual online groups. And one of the things about our community in particular, we have some fantastic churches in our region. A lot of them are big, gigantic churches. 
And so one of the core philosophies of family church is we want to be very relational. And so when people show up at family church, one of the things that they say is, I just want to connect with people. So we already kind of have that as the fabric of who we are as a church family. And so migrating these groups from in-person meetings to a virtual meeting in the Corona apocalypse mm-hmm. has actually been fairly easy because they desire those kind of relationships. Yeah, we've hung our hat on face-to-face contact, knowing people's names, being engaged in one another's lives. That's our thing. Mm-hmm. And this does create some challenges, but it doesn't erase the need or the desire. So I think that's a really good point. Angel, as you've talked about how to migrate them, you said a moment ago you had to teach some people some platforms. What do you mean? Yeah, so we've had to teach some of our group leaders how to use Zoom or how to get into a virtual space. And virtual really doesn't just mean online. Virtual just means you're not meeting in person. And so one of the things that we're trying is maybe some like conference calls. So getting some of our groups who it's harder for them to navigate the technology, just get them on a conference call. It's hard where to they train can... people on Zoom yeah. virtually. It, yes, if that's they, if they don't have a computer. <laughs> that's tricky. They can't use yes. Zoom already. <laughs> how do you actually? <laughs> you get on a Zoom call with them right. and you teach them how right. to do exactly. it. But... It makes it much more challenging. Yeah, it's very challenging. Well, I think it's been awesome how you've done that. Now, how do you feel? How is this effective? Like, I see churches doing the Zoom, but I've seen, like, even in the last three or four days, more personal texts, social media posts of people saying how sick they are right. of Zoom calls. I know Zoom's like booming right now. I'm afraid when this is over, everyone's going to hate Zoom. <laughs> like, what, what, how, how is this working out? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that as a group's team we're trying to address is this idea of Zoom burnout. And so really encouraging our group leaders, you know, we want you to shepherd this group of people, whatever that looks like. So if your group is feeling Zoomed out, then maybe you need to figure out how to get on like a 10 or 15 minute call twice a week. And one one of those calls is just talking through the sermon, and then one of those calls is spending some time in prayer. Another thing that we're looking at doing is maybe trying some different platforms, like there's this this uh, Marco Polo is one where you can do like these videos that it's all on your own terms. And so you kind of ping pong videos back and forth, but you can be in a group with people to do that. So we're just trying to figure out ways to help people stay engaged and keep hold on to the relationship and realize that it's important for you to push through the Zoom burnout or whatever technology burnout you're struggling with because you need to be in community as a church. And that hasn't changed. And I think we've discovered some things too, even about the virtual groups. Like we've started some new groups. I know that. Not, so we have existing groups that began to meet virtually, but we've actually started some new groups yeah. um, in this platform. And it's actually pulled in some new people right. who maybe, you know, meeting pers- face-to-face, like we put a high value on that, but for new people... That they're they're a little more nervous about that. So I know we've had several stories about people who have jumped into these virtual groups who weren't in a group before. At our campus, Family Church Sherbrooke, we had a guy who accepted Christ, and he had just started coming to our mm-hmm. campus right before all this shutdown happened. And one of our pastors reached out to him, invited him to a men's group. He began to ask some questions. It became clear that he really wasn't a Christian, so he set up a one-on-one call and. 
they shared, you know, our tool, the three circles with him. And he, the, the man thought about it a little more. And then he did receive Christ. And he's been a part of this men's group. So I think that's a pretty cool story about what can happen through yeah. a virtual group may or may not have ever happened with an in-person group. I don't know how long it would have taken this man to decide that he wanted to come and sit in a circle with other men because I find that that's not always so attractive to people as we think it might be. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, it's so important because in, in a church like ours, this is our shepherding structure. And so if we're really going to try to make sure we keep everybody connected and really help them grow in their faith, we've got to have a system where people can connect with spiritually mature leaders and, and people that can guide them through the scriptures. And so as they're gathering in those groups, we want them to focus on some element of teaching the Bible. That's a really big deal for our church. And so we want to point people to the scriptures. We also want to shepherd them in terms of their, their needs. We want to find out, do they have physical needs? Do they need someone checking on them? Do they need someone getting groceries for them? This is our, our care structure for them. And so if we don't have a system where every single person is accounted for, it's really easy for people to fall through the cracks. And Angel's done such a great job of just helping us organize this into lots of micro teams. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> what, do, what do you think is the biggest weakness? Like as if you look at this, what do you think, man, this is where we really are still trying to figure this out. What, what's our What's our biggest challenge? I think still trying to navigate the technology and how people want to engage and even the format of that. So I think we're still playing around with just a couple of different formats. I mean, I know at a campus level, we've realized people just want to get on these calls. They don't want to go into intense like Bible study. They just want to laugh. (laughs) Like they just need to laugh right now during this time. And so I think we need to be careful about not taking our format from a physical group meeting and just plopping that into an online format. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So I don't, you know, like a lot of our groups that were meeting physically were being led by teachers who are very gifted in teaching the Bible. Or at least passionate. Yeah, passionate and gifted. Yeah, <laughs> depending. So we have so we have these leaders, and they're also great conveners because of their teaching. And so they want to try to figure out how can I get on a Zoom call and do an hour in depth Bible study. Well, that's not what people really need right now. People need to just be able to engage relationally. They need to be discipled. They need to figure out like how to apply the sermon that they just heard this week. So a lot of where to find toilet paper, (laughs) like how to take care of their kids, how to parent their kids, how to teach their kids. If you buy barbecue from Sunny's, they put toilet paper in every bag. (laughs) Really? Good to know. (laughs) Not sponsored by Sunny's. Church for the rest of us. Good to know. (laughs) So I would say that. I'm what that's saying about the Sunny's. (laughs) I'm just saying that's what they do. They're out of wet naps. So, yeah, I would say that's some of the things that we're still trying to figure out and playing around with just different formats and just trying new things and see what works. Well, as you as you do that, I think that's a really great point that we because the format is so drastically different, trying to replicate what we were doing, Mm -hmm. sitting in a circle or sitting in rows in a room together in in a living room together is impossible for one thing. And I've read about this and I've experienced it. A Zoom call, only one person can talk at a time. That's how the technology works. Mm-hmm. So you either have a bunch of people trying to talk over each other, which doesn't work. And you just hear little snippets of words mm-hmm. or, or someone can easily dominate the conversation more easily on Zoom than they could in a room. 
The other thing is the dynamics. So if you have 20 or 30 people on a Zoom call, only one person can talk at a time. Whereas if you had 20 or 30 people in a living room, what you would actually have is like 10 or 12 two and three person conversations mm -hmm. going on simultaneously. Whereas on Zoom, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't exactly replicate the feel of a lobby or the feel of a living room because only one person can talk at a time. And that's why I think your idea of having smaller calls with smaller groups mm -hmm. is even better if someone has the bandwidth to do that. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, I'm curious about, Leslie was noting that we have actually pulled in some new people. Do you know how many new groups have, have we started any actual new groups? Well, technically they're all new because okay. this, is so, this is so different, but I don't, I don't, I can't think of off the top of my head exactly how many new ones there are, but you know, we're learning so much. There's just, you ask, you know, what are some of the challenges or difficulties in this? There, there are so many. We haven't had the faux pas that have been all over YouTube lately, yeah. but, you know, I'm sure there are some of those kinds of things that are happening. I saw on Good Morning America yesterday, there was an interview with somebody that didn't have any pants on in their interview. And so there's all kinds of crazy things like that that are happening. But what's our, what's our alternative? Like right now, in this season, people are so hungry for relational connection that I think they're willing to figure out how to talk one at a time and figure out how to only get a few people on the call. People are so hungry for relational connection that we need to do our very best to dial in and give them a platform and an opportunity to do that. And then I would say also for pastors and leaders, this does provide a great opportunity for you to connect with people in a relatively quick way. So like if you know when your groups are meeting over Zoom, just jump in for five minutes, say hi to everybody, let them see you, let them see your family. And it's amazing how much relational capital that does for your, for your people just to get to see you for a few minutes. Yeah, I think that's so right. The other thing I would just say, Leslie, one of the things that we focus on here is having meaningful membership. Mm -hmm. So there's a sense in which we're responding to a sense of people's need to connect, but there's a sense in which we're engaging their responsibility to connect. Mm -hmm. So because we practice meaningful membership at Family Church, it's not just like, oh, since all of you have this itch, we're going to scratch it. There's all That's part of it. But the other component of it is, hey, since you're part of this church family, you got to show up. Mm -hmm. Like We have an expectation that you do your part to remain connected. We're going to do our part and try to create platforms, opportunities, a lot of hooks in the water, social media, web, the best content that we can produce. But this is still your church family. And one of the things I'm the proudest of, Leslie, is the way that our church has responded and engaged to what we put out there, even of varying levels of quality. No, I think it's great. I mean, I think people do feel very connected and people are engaging with us, whether it's a public platform like Facebook or our Facebook groups, in addition to the you know groups that happen on Zoom. So I think we've gotten a great response from the content. And I would mention that we did do some featured groups. So when Pastor mm -hmm. Jimmy asked about new groups, so Angel worked hard um, to spin up some new what we called featured groups, which I don't you want to explain what that is, Angel, and how it's a little bit of like a, a broader net. We're casting a wider net with mm -hmm. these kinds of groups. Yeah. So these featured groups are actually designed so that we can pull people in based on maybe some felt needs during this time. So a lot of what we're hearing, people are struggling with stress, with anxiety, with finances. We have one group called a parenting group. It's the title's Now I'm a Teacher. So yeah. like parents have gone from just parenting to teaching their kids and just really people are having needs that they did not have before this virus. So trying to address some of those 
felt needs, which is actually ushering people into groups that would not have necessarily pursued that before. But since they see that we have this support system out there, they're willing to take a step and to try it. And then also to maybe meet some of those felt demographic needs, because we've heard that a lot of marriages are struggling right now. We, we're going to you know, try something for singles because we know that singles are struggling, uh, living in isolation. And so we're going to really try to continue to lean in on that because that's creating a broad funnel. So we get people into these featured groups, which normally last the max around four weeks, and then we funnel them into ongoing groups. And so it's just a great opportunity for us to shepherd people into community. Yeah. Trying to connect more people. So connect them, you mm -hmm. know, attract them through something that's a felt need, and then hopefully connect them on the neighborhood or the campus level. So taking advantage of the crisis. No, you can't waste it. Hey, Aaron, as a parting shot, what would you like to say to our listeners when it comes to groups? What would you encourage them to do with the resources they have in the community where they live in their own churches? Yeah, I think there are some great resources available that any church can utilize at any size. And so if you're not doing anything in the area of small groups, my advice would be do something. Maybe start a Bible study or start a connection group, even if the pastor is leading it or a high-level volunteer is leading it. But just start something that gives another opportunity outside of the Sunday morning uh, sermon content for people to relationally connect. And I would agree with what Angel said. Less Bible teaching, more relationship connecting in those yeah. environments. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I also think, you know, one of the things that our that our core values provides for us is even a framework for what to think about when it comes to groups. And I'm sure every church has their own, but like the fact that we are going to focus on some element of teaching the Bible or reflecting on teaching that's mm -hmm. already been done, building families or building, you know, singles, same thing, pulling singles into family, and then loving our neighbors. How can we engage and mobilize our people to make a difference both organically and organizationally in our own neighborhoods. Hey, I hope all of you listening on this podcast will just know we don't think we have it all figured out. We're learning a lot. And the crazy thing about this, in some ways, it feels like we're picking up speed in our strategy and what we're learning as the world's trying to open back up. So like maybe all of this learning is for naught. I hope you'll hang with us because I just doubt it. I just think we're going to be in this off and on at varying levels for the next six to 24 months. And I would encourage all of our listeners to think that way, even if you're opening up, even as you're opening up, just remember that these pandemics often have an ebb and a flow to it. These restrictions are likely to come and go over the next, the next season of ministry. And we've got to be ready. You can't just put up all of the tools that you've gained in the last six or seven weeks because you're going to need both and for mm -hmm. a while. And so I just encourage you to be thinking about that. If there's any way that we can help you, we're here to help. Call us, reach out to us, email us, ping us on social media. We'll connect with you. We'll respond to that because we do care about you. This isn't just for big churches. It's not just for churches in big cities. This is for every church everywhere. We want the kingdom of God to advance right where you are. And anyway, we can be good brothers and sisters to you. We will. This is Jimmy Scroggins, Aaron Philippone, Carly Seelman, Angel Turbyville, and Leslie Bennett signing off. We're on church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, 
This is Jimmy Scroggins, and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.